Hello and welcome to Soldroids Podcast, episode number 101. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. And I'm really, really upset about the delay already. <laughs> For those of you not in the know, and if you're wondering why we're sounding a little bit different, we have had a horrible time tonight trying to get this recording put together for everyone. Uh, so we apologize for any technical changes or difficulties you may encounter while listening. This <laughs> However, is the people who are not this te- technical difficulties are our sponsors. Yes. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our friends at uh, cryptonradio.com, trekradio.net, stitcher.com, and openbookaudio.com. And once again, a uh, happy shout out to our friends at squarespace.com. I just realized that we're now into March. We're recording this in February, but you're hearing this in March. That means that you can get a wonderful 10% discount off of anything you get through squarespace.com by using the code SD3. Now, what can you get from Squarespace? How about the best-looking site you've ever seen? Wow your family, wow your friends. You know what? Wow your employers. I've seen people using these sites as their resumes, and nothing says that you are more put together in the digital world than a really slick site. It takes less than an hour for them to help you get a domain name, register it, host it, design it, and publish it out, uh, which is more time than you'd spend doing anything else, really. So check them out today, squarespace.com. Again, promo code SD3 for Stolen Droids 3. Tell them we sent you, and they'll give you 10% off, and uh, they're pretty cool that way. So check them out. Also, also, thanks to Ruff for joining us last week. He actually gave us some pretty good compliments after the show was over. Well, I don't know if you could say they were compliments. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, no, no, no. Okay. That, that sounds meaner than it, than I meant it. I didn't mean it that way. He, he was surprised. And I, I've actually gotten this from other podcasters as well. You remember when John from Google at a Glance was on a while back? He said the same thing. Evidently, we're one of the few podcasts that record things on the fly. We don't actually write out a script or anything beforehand, uh, or as Ruff calls it, going commando. <laughs> and actually, we, we do tend to do that a lot. We just tend to ramble. There's very little editing that Zook has to do later, where there's been some other podcasts I've been on. They're like, okay, pause here, put this here, put this here, put this here, and then everybody go talk. And it kind of, I notice it kind of disrupts our flow that we have. We, we tend to get a flow when we're, when we're talking. And I think that's what makes the show, actually, for me. Well, As Stark and talks that- about his flow. And, and that's not to disparage how other podcasts do it. This just works for us. We're all um, stupid, I guess. We're the, no, we're the peanut gallery. <laughs> I thought it was the sausage gallery. No, no, no. We're not going to bring that up. No, we are, though, because the way I've looked at it, all these other uh, podcasts are much more the news team, and we're just the peanut gallery. The way I've described it to some people who've asked me about it, or they'll hear me talking to coworkers about the podcast, I say, imagining once a week you're listening to four geeks in the in the lunchroom talk about whatever the latest headlines were that they happen to read that week. And I said, that's that's usually how we end up talking about stuff. And arguing and amazingly appropriately. Amazingly enough, more, more coworkers coming up to me saying, hey, <laughs> oh, you listen too? <laughs> well, um, we don't have any feedback um, other than Ruff's commando comment. Uh, which I kind of like. <laughs> I don't Sounds know like if that means I should be uh, going around with the face paint on or if I should be walking around with no underwear. But uh, Stone Droids, we go commando. There's a bumper And some of us are doing both. <laughs> oh, 
be very thankful there's not a webcam on Zoner right now. Or a Kinect. Okay, so we need to move on into our headlines, though, because we got a lot of them. Flashback it's been a busy humor. Week. We use it. Uh, first off, um, okay, we recorded last show early because I was going out of town. Um, and in that time, the PS4 launched. Uh, we were kind of worried, honestly, about having to cover it because it's now over a week old, only to find that there's really not much to cover. So there you have it. The PS4 It's got a four. It's got a four. This one goes to four. Yeah. <laughs> we turned it up to four. Um, as best we can tell, Sony really wants to be Facebook. So lots of social integration. Um, you know what? Not really what I was lacking for my video games. So, Okay. Uh, into other interesting news that also happened last week that we missed, but uh, it is worth noting. Nokia launched a new line at the World Mobile Conference, uh, or Mobile World Conference, however. Mobile World Congress? M- M- MWC. Conference. Oh, like the Mountain MWC. Conference. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> they're, they're, they're now part of the Pac-12. Um, <laughs> interestingly, they launched a new few Windows phones. Oh, yes. She's right. The Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, uh, which isn't so, that's not so surprising. What was really surprising is that they've also launched the 301. The 301 is not a Windows phone. It actually looks kind of like their old feature phones from days gone by, only with an updated design. And people are kind of wondering, why in this day and age, with your company floundering the way it is, why are you launching a feature phone? Well, here's why. This feature phone is going to be $20 off contract. So you don't have to sign up for two years in order to get the $20 price. It's just 20 bucks. It's cheap. It's easy. It has, it has plenty of features. It's well built. You can tell it's a Nokia. And it has a 36-day standby time. Jeez. Now, people kind of forget this day and age. We're all caught up in our new Galaxy uh, threes, uh, the S3s and the new S4 that's coming out and our Windows Phone 8s and our iPhones. But what actually made Nokia really famous was their cheap feature phones. They were everywhere in the world. You got them for free and they lasted for f- forever. And could withstand drops and dings and nicks. Yeah, they used to. They really used to mean something like that. They only got into trouble when they entered into the smartphone market. So in a way, this is kind of a return to glory for them if they can get it out there, if they can get it sold. Now, uh, they're also having a couple new Lumias. Um, let's see here, the 520, uh, which is a, a... I don't want to say feature phone version of Windows Phone 8, but at the same time, it kind of is. So could this be like a cheap travel phone? You're going to be traveling across the over to Europe or something like that? You it don't really want to jailbreak your phone, but you want to take something with you just to talk to people? Yeah, or an emergency phone, or, you know, the one that you send off with the kids when they're going to go out, assuming you haven't bought them an iPhone. Um, but, you know, it, it could be the anytime phone. It could be the phone you leave at home as a quote-unquote home phone. Because so many people, like my wife and I do this, we don't have a home line anymore because we both have a cell phone. That leads to trouble when we have the babysitter at home. And well, we both do, take doesn't our cell your babysitter... Phones. Doesn't your babysitter, though, have a cell phone, too? Because all ours do. I hadn't considered that. (laughs) We usually just leave and hope the kids are okay by the time we get back. (laughs) We're excellent parents, by the way. (laughs) 
you know what questions he'll be asking his babysitter next time. <laughs> no, no, that'd be you awkward. Have a cell phone. Hey, so you no. got a phone number I can have? <laughs> now, is, now, is that yours or is that your parents? <laughs> I, I actually have a funny story about that that I will not disclose here. However, it made me feel like a dirty old man. This is from the guy who is currently wearing no underpants and face paint, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm awesome. Okay, well, into other headlines here. Um, Just today it was announced that Oracle is opening up a full board of investigations after two more zero-day security flaws were found in Java 7. It's about time. What is going on? What are they up to now? Revision 17? I don't even... I lost of the track 7 itself? 10. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not certain, because a lot of us pulled it off the moment we found out about this from Homeland Security and, of course, StolenDroids.com, and uh, a lot of us have not gone back. Well, okay, because um, originally when we wrote about that, I think it was Revision 12, yeah. and then they immediately launched Revision 13, which had another vulnerability, so they launched Revision 14, and... It's just been going on and on. I want to say they're like up to 17 now, and the vulnerabilities just keep coming. Well, didn't we talk about, I I don't know if it was you and me off the air, Zook, or if we discussed it on the show, but there was actually something that came out that said they're going to be looking at years before all the vulnerabilities are going to be patched. That was on the show. That was yeah, on that was on the show. show. Okay, we just looked it up. Uh, apologies, it's actually up on. Uh, they're only up on update fifteen at the moment, so maybe yeah. they quit trying to do the updates to get ahead of this and just kind of <laughs> embraced oblivion. Um, yeah, they, we've talked about it. it's going to take a year to track down all the problems. At which point, I don't think they're going to stick with Java seven. You and might as well honesty, just go ahead. And, yeah, you might as well go ahead and just start working on Java eight and. and patch it up to begin with. Yeah, just burn Java 7 to the ground and start on the next one, if we stay with Java at all. kind of makes me wonder how many people they have working on, on fixing this. Because it seems like at this point they would just get all their resources and start working on it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me why it would take this long to, to fix. It's definitely a black eye. You're kind of wondering why they aren't doing something more about this. But, um, yeah... I, there's no real reason for us to keep beating this dead horse. Um, we've told you, go back to Java 6 or disable it entirely. The Homeland Security has told you to do the same, and now these security firms uh, in, in Europe, in Poland, are telling you to do it. Pretty much as everyone is telling you to stop using Java. When so, the uh, Germans tell you to stop using the Java, you stop using the Java. I actually wonder how you'd say Java in German. Java. Java. <laughs> Java. 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 Okay, um, so uh, public service announcement. Stop using Java. We have a new tactic being used by ISPs to help uh, combat piracy. I have it's mixed feelings ISPs, about this. My ISP is, does it. It is, it is becoming the talk of the town in my neighborhood, in my office. As of like the 20th, right? Yeah, as of the 20th. Some do. I am on a local ISP. I, I live in a rather small city, and we have a local ISP that's run by the, the city government, uh, which is why I get such great speeds for such a low price. They already do it, but the idea is a six strike um, and you're out. If they receive notice from different people saying, Hey, we noticed that this IP address, which is yours. So let's say you are with, um, uh, let's say you're with Comcast. Yeah. 
And Paramount sends a letter to Comcast saying, we saw this IP, which is in your block, um, downloading this movie. Give us their information. Comcast is saying they will not give Paramount your information, but they will contact you directly. And the first time it's a pop-up saying, hey, we saw this and we got noticed, knock it off. The fifth time, and, and, and it ramps up in severity, by the fifth time, the Comcast subscriber has to log into Comcast using their account and go through this rather large process and acknowledge that they may be uh, shut off soon if they don't knock it off. And at the sixth strike, uh, they will lose service. Well, they, they have to go through kind of something like a uh, like a re-education system where they have to learn about you know the. the so you have to go into nineteen eighty two. Yeah, the dangers of pirating. No, kind of like like driving school when you get too many points on your driving record. <laughs> Something like that. You wouldn't well, steal a policeman's hat, would you? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, you know, my problem with this and with all piracy, anti-piracy stuff, is you're guilty until proven innocent, and it's dang hard to prove yourself innocent. It is so really if, hard. If you've got somebody that's leeching your unsecured Wi-Fi... You could very well be screwed. But well, not just that, but even spoofing your IP address. Because someone over in, in Sweden or Russia could be spoofing yeah. your IP address, and you'll never know it until you get exactly. Well, and but, one of the things that I read in one of the message boards, or not message boards, but articles about this, is that by you accepting the warnings... You can't say I didn't know. It's almost it's almost like you're you're saying this isn't an admission of guilt, but hey, you're doing this. But it's almost like saying yes, I am doing it. So what happens? Well, if that's you not entirely true, actually. By the uh, fourth time, by the fourth warning, you can because the first one is just a pop up. It's literally a pop up. They're not talking to you. You're not talking to them. You're acknowledging a pop up. You're clicking okay, saying, and they're not even saying you're doing it. They're saying we're noticing this from your IP address. By the fourth time, when it's actually asking you to sign in and, and say, yes, I see that I'm getting these notices, then and you, can, you can actually appeal it. Yeah. You can say, no, it's not me. You can actually go through a process that appeals it. I would like to play devil's advocate here, and I actually don't think I'm that far off from playing devil's advocate, because I would much rather my ISP, I, I would much rather have to prove myself to an ISP than to a board of lawyers because I've been hauled into court. True. I can see that. I can see where the, the, the viewpoint from that is logical. Yeah. So you're in this way. Your ISP is kind of protecting themselves, saying, "Hey, look, we we're we're telling them, we're letting them know, we're passing this on, and we are penalizing them." But they're also protecting you because Paramount isn't showing up at your door, dragging you out into the street to shoot you. At the same time, your ISP still has to answer to the content provider. And so how, how much is that going to help when you're saying you're innocent and they have to go back to the content provider saying, oh, this person says they didn't do it? Is there going to be a lot more red tape to cut through or who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. One, one of the other things I was talking with a coworker about this is, is that I says it's another wall that's been thrown up and you know what? Someone's going to find a way around it. It, it's 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 the game's not ending. Here's another thing. Here's another code to crack. Here's another encryption to get around. Oh, yeah. Someone's going to find a way around it. Well, it's been it, proven in history that any time you put a law up or or something to to stop something illegal, uh, there are other measures put in place to make sure that these criminals can still have their. 
I mean, Prohibition, for example, you know, it doesn't stop it. Well, the, the DVD encryption. The DVD encryption DVD was public stop, for like yeah. 15 minutes before it was cracked. Um, <laughs> I don't see this so much as their attempt to try and fix all this. I think it's just more that they're stopped at to get themselves out of trouble. Because this way, they're kind of playing the happy medium. They're not in trouble with the content providers, with the studios, and they're not in trouble with their subscribers, many of whom are not pirates. Yeah. I would say most of whom are not pirates. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But this way, you're not worried about, oh my gosh, Comcast is constantly giving out my information to anyone who's throwing up a warning. Yeah. And I think it'll also stop a lot of the people who are are pirating things that don't even know that it's illegal, or don't even know that they're, they're... Pirating, um, or maybe a little, who, little Timmy is doing the pirating, and Dad doesn't know that he's doing it yet. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I don't know how many computers I've, I've fixed or something that where they have BearShare installed or Kazaa, and and they're downloading music like like it's a normal thing, and they don't even know that it's illegal. So are those still a thing? I didn't know those were still around. Yeah, well, yeah. Or I, I fixed it where Grandma's wondering why her computer's running slow, and it's because her great grandson who was over for a weekend, installed something like that and downloaded some stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, there's all sorts of different scenarios. And granted, some of them might be more far-fetched than others, but I am personally for this. I like having that buffer between me and the studio. Absolutely. Uh, Got to move on Because the studio uh, is never wrong. <laughs> yeah, they never give up. Um, okay, what do we have here? Oh, yeah, Google. Our friends at Google. Schmitty and I had a long conversation about this. <laughs> Google launched the Pixel. The Pixel is their newest Chromebook. Now, Chromebooks are those small little laptops, bigger than a netbook, but smaller than a full-size laptop in many cases, that are dirt cheap, like $200 to $300, because they run the Chrome OS. That is, it's just a browser. But it's a strong browser that has many different cloud apps, cloud-based storage. It's really, it's quite, for what it is, it's really good. Well, the new one, the Pixel, has a 13-inch screen, touchscreen, actually. Uh, it's made of really awesome aluminum. It looks like a MacBook Air, and it has this incredible screen that has a PPI much higher than a Retina display. It's also $1,300. That's not dirt cheap. $1,300 for what accounts to a browser. Now, uh, for comparison, the laptop... I am using that I used to record this show and have for two years it was $1,000 a MacBook Air with retina display is $1,300 you can get yourself a Windows 8 laptop with a touch screen and 8 gigs of RAM and a 500 gig hard drive for $400 so what is Google thinking with this? Now, Schmidt, again, Schmitty and I had a really long conversation back and forth about the merits of Chrome OS and whatnot. And I'd like to get out of the way right now that I'm not asking what Google is doing with Chrome OS. Because whatever they do with that, they'll do with that. But what are they doing with a $1,300 Chromebook? For me, it makes absolute sense. I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't get this because everything I do is dependent on actual local environments, development environments. I cannot 100% put myself into the cloud. And that's what this is for. This is for people who are, everything they do is in the cloud, whether it's just email or just Facebooking or or just Google Docs or whatever. Um, 
and you the, you could get by with a, a two hundred three hundred dollar netbook or or a six hundred dollar ultrabook or something. Um, but then you're my my side of the argument and what I understand Google's side uh, or reasoning for this is that if you buy a, a laptop or or a netbook or something in the five hundred dollar range, you're going to have to upgrade it or buy a new one every two or three years. Over a 10-year period, you're going to be spending up to $1,500, $2,000 just on new laptops or upgrading RAM, upgrading hard drive space. But if you go right up front and spend a lot of money up front, this is going to last you 10 years with just the web tools that you need. Now, see, my argument is that this would not last you 10 years. Well, we should point out one thing that does kind of sweeten the deal, I'll admit. Google is planning on launching a paid service, a paid version of Google Drive and Google Docs that will be, uh, that allows you 50 gigs, I want to know. Um, no, it's more I, than that. I believe it's a terabyte. It's a terabyte. A terabyte of online storage. Now, it's going to cost a monthly amount, of, the, of which is the amount I don't have right in front of me, but... If you add up that monthly amount for two years, it comes to $1,300. And if you buy the Google Chromebook Pixel, it automatically comes with two years of this drive service. So if you're a heavy Google Drive user and you plan on using this paid service, well, then this is just a shoe-in. It's automatically the same price. Mm, I still think the price is too high, especially in this economy. Uh, Zoner, uh, Stark, what are your thoughts? Now, I, I I think I'm kind of with you on this one. Yeah, if I, I'm going to spend that much, it's going to be probably more of a Windows machine just because of the fact that I know more of what Windows is, whereas I probably would spend $200 on, on, on one of the Chromebooks. You know, if yeah. I wanted to give it to my kids or something, you know, here you're not going to get a you, – you, you shouldn't get a virus on this. Yeah, see, I deal. like Chromebooks. I do. I really do like the idea of Chromebooks. I think Chrome OS should be in different devices. I would prefer an Android laptop over a Chrome OS laptop. Oh, yeah, definitely. But a $200 laptop that can do most of your everyday tasks, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. I just I just think they kind of jumped the gun. They they made this while the technology was still too expensive. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely ahead of its time. And I, I, I think... The consumers would have to undergo a paradigm shift to to completely appreciate it. Um, if if you know for sure that for the next ten years all you're going to be doing online is is strictly through a browser, you know you could get by with just a browser. This would probably be cheaper in the long run because because well because of my point before where instead of buying a laptop every two or three years. You know, okay, we we got to move on. We're, we're running. We have a lot of headlines. It's like everything in the tech world caught up with us this week. But uh, paradigm shift. Schmitty's saying it requires a paradigm shift. So I want a quick poll, quick prediction poll. Is this a paradigm shift that people can take, or is this going the way of the Nexus Q? Zoner, you in or out? Um, I, I am on the fence. I mean, we ten years ago we never would have imagined that we got as much stuff on the cloud as we do now. I mean, it, it could go either way. Fair enough, Stark. Is it going to stick around, or is it going to go Nexus Q? Uh, I, I'm thinking Nexus Q because I just don't see this. For, not not for that money, no. Okay, I'm, I'm rooting for Chrome OS on this one, but uh, I don't I don't have that much faith in the consumer. <laughs> so maybe on the fence, or yeah, yeah. Okay, so two on the fence, two the way the Nexus Q. We'll see what happens. 
into other super expensive Google stuff, um, Google launched their Google Glasses. Well, I shouldn't say launch. They announced, they showed it off, and they made it available to developers. They're now running a promotion that if you tweet or announce on Google+, because they're not friends with Facebook, they don't want you using Facebook, uh, and you use the hashtag... Oh, geez. Well, if I had glass. If I had glass or something like that, they'll choose you. They'll choose one of you to be able to pre-order glass for the same developer cost. They're not giving you one. Which is $1,500. It's $1,500. <laughs> if you win a sweepstakes, you have the opportunity to spend $1,500 hmm. on beta hardware. Which I wouldn't do it. If, if you're a developer, <laughs> it's probably a really good deal. Because I mean, it, if you're chance, a developer, you already have a, you already have it. This is for everyone else. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> this is for that guy in the Starbucks who spends all day tweeting things and entering Facebook sweepstakes at the chance to win something from his local radio station, not to spend fifteen hundred dollars. And they even say in their disclaimer. Don't do this if you're not willing to spend $1,500. Who's willing to spend $1,500 to this who isn't a developer? Yeah, I, I have point. no clue. It's a, it, I wonder if Google Glass is going to become a status symbol, kind of like um, the iPhone was for a while. Yeah, where the it's iPhone like, was oh, actually but, polished hardware. It was actually done. True, true. But people are dumb. They don't know. They don't I, care. I don't doubt what you're saying that when it actually launches, when it, when it launches, when it's complete, when everything is done and ready for market and it's still $600, $700, not as much as it is now, but still, you know, out of the reach of, of the general populace. Yes, it will be a status symbol. I agree with you on that. You'll have Gucci ones. You'll have Snooky <laughs> ones. You'll have Beats by Dr. Dre ones. Hopefully people will like... With, with, people like Gunner will like build it into their glasses or Ooh, something. Ooh, wouldn't that be cool? But, but yeah, but we're not there yet. So I, if, if it does become a status symbol, I think it will be really short-lived because I think the end game for this is like uh, embedded into normal glasses or uh, contact lenses. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, we have a couple major headlines I want to hit before we run out of time, and we'll try to get to the other ones here. Making major waves this week, uh, Marissa Myers, uh, the CEO of Yahoo, formerly of Google. Um, has decided that it is time to stop working from home. Now, in her time at Yahoo so far, she's introduced a lot of things that are typically considered staples at any Silicon Valley firm. Uh, free phones, uh, free food, daycare, uh, the idea that you try and do as much as possible on campus. She's taking a page from Google. Yeah, she's taking a page from Google. But in return this week, she, in an elite memo, it came out that she has decided it is time for people to stop working from home, which Yahoo actually made headlines for a few years ago when they announced that, you know, most of the stuff people do there, they can do from home. So most of them did do it from home. Now, personally, I don't see an issue with this, but the tech world has been going really far back and forth on this, saying, well, she's destroying family values, she's destroying the Yahoo ecosystem, she's destroying the culture there. It's even been pointed out that a lot of their employees do not live near um, a Yahoo office. And so in order to go into an office, it's over three or four hours of driving 
just to get to an office. But also worth noting is a lot of the Yahoo's, Yahoo's, Yahooers, <laughs> these Yahoo's, the Yahoo's, <laughs> the Huawei Yahoo's. Um, well, I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger for a moment. chopper. They do live close, and they haven't been in the office for years. Now, how do I get to the office again? <laughs> now, I should clarify, I work from home occasionally. Zoner, I think you do too. Schmitty does work- as well. Yeah. 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 Um, I can speak 100% candidly and say that my productivity when I'm at home is not nearly as high as when I'm in the office. Anyone who say anyone saying otherwise is uh, is lying. is lying, <laughs> or they are no, no, they're just lying. <laughs> uh, working from home offers some great advantages, and it's a once or twice thing. It certainly is a perk, but I personally don't have an issue with her doing this, and even ex Yahoo's. Uh, ex-employees, ex-engineers are all saying the same thing. Ex-Yahoos. <laughs> yeah, they got better. <laughs> but many of them are saying the same thing, that, uh, yeah, so what if she's destroying the corporate culture? It's that corporate culture that put Yahoo at the bottom. It's time and to that's rebuild. A, that's a really good point. Yeah, it seems like she's doing a lot of good work to getting Yahoo uh, back on their feet. Not Not that they were ever off their feet, but... No, they've been off. <laughs> they've been off for a while, but they've been sustaining. That it, Yahoo hasn't disappeared completely, but but she's definitely doing a lot to 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 bring them back up to the, at least the level of Google. Some of it may not be very popular, but yeah, certainly. Now there is an extra little benefit here. Layoffs are bad. Layoffs are scary. Layoffs get reported. Investors get scared, and stocks fluctuate when there's layoffs. Not so when people quit. So I'm wondering if part of this might also be their attempt at, hey, look, if you're not a serious employee, if you're not actually contributing, if you've been working, quote-unquote, working from home for the past three years and have never come into the office, I'm hoping this gets you to quit. Because then we don't have to lay you off and we don't have to fire you. That's money saved. We're shoring up our investments and our in our work base, but it's not a layoff. If you don't if you don't want to come in, don't bother coming in. <laughs> no, That's actually a really good point. I hadn't considered that. But yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. But uh, kind the, of, the deadline for this is June. Kind of a forced attrition type of thing. Exactly, yeah. Now um the other one that I want to definitely get to before we run out of time, uh we talked about this before oh, a long time ago, actually, last year, um, about rating systems and how they are falling by the wayside when it comes to cutting the cord, people watching things online. Well, Nielsen's has finally decided to update themselves and join us in the 21st century and broaden the definition of what it means to, quote-unquote, watch TV. Not only the Nielsen's, but the Billboard uh, music tracking systems doing the same thing. If you go and w- listen to a lot of the music on the official YouTube channels, they're going to count that as, as as towards the popularity of, of those particular songs and the like. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing there, that 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 may be a benefit from this is that a lot of times we keep saying this show is a popular show. Believe me, this show is a popular show, and the TV execs say, "Yeah, but the Nielsen ratings." Don't yeah. show it. I mean, Community well, was an example of that. Exactly, there were a lot that was of people exactly who were the one I was. That. Yeah, that was exactly Jericho. What I was thinking about. Oh yeah, Jericho would have. <laughs> Jericho would have continued on this. 
I was Enterprise waiting to see how long it would have taken Zoner to say something about Jericho. It's almost a drinking <laughs> game with you. But, now, but yeah, that was actually brought up. When Community came back, when they were brought back off of hiatus, back off the shelf, everyone said, okay, premiere episode tonight, don't watch it on Hulu. Don't DVR it. Don't check it out on CBS.com. Go and watch it live on TV. Otherwise, they won't see the ratings. Well, not enough people did, and the ratings fell again, even though we know it's popular. Now, obviously, we're geeks. We all know about Firefly and how that happened as well. Uh, Jericho is another one. Oh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot. Um, Last Resort, actually, oh, yeah, is just another one. That. Right. Uh, that one's pretty recent. So it's... It's it's welcome to see this. Now, on the Billboard and the YouTube music one I find interesting, because you remember a couple months ago when YouTube um, went and culled a lot of their hits? Yes. And suddenly, like, Sony Music Group um, had, like, no hits and no videos? I wonder if this is going to um, affect that. Will Billboard say, hey, this is the top-ranking song of the charts right now. It's gotten so much airplay, it's been sold so many times, it's been viewed 12 million times on YouTube. And next week saying, it's the worst song in America, it only has 100 hits on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) We were wrong. Because there, well, there's the official YouTube channels that's through, was it Vivo? Vivo's one of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I and then that was one of the ones that they mentioned that they would actually be going through those. I mean, if you went and grabbed the the video yourself and threw it upon your own channel, that one would not count. It would actually have to be through the these official channels. And well, I know YouTube more t- wanting more of these official channels anyway. So yeah, so it's be kind of interesting to see how that that works out. But in any case, I'm happy to see this. I, I hope to see, you know. Yeah, they're quite literally yes. They are joining us in the 21st century. Finally. Mm-hmm. Okay, we still have some time before our talking points, so let's hit some of those other headlines. First up, you remember that UK judge a while back who ruled that Apple had to make a public apology, or rather, a public statement in a newspaper saying that no, they didn't copy Samsung. Remember all the fallout from there? Yep. It turns out that judge isn't actually a standing judge. He retired years ago. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he did. But um, in the UK, they can request that retired judges join the bench for certain trials or whatnot. Especially, you know, if they're they're well respected, maybe they'll need a bit of extra advice or an extra bit of wisdom. And that was the case here. Well, here's the thing: that judge now has a new job. He's working for Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't like some of the. Uh, uh, who was the one that approved the Comcast sale of NBC? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. I was just going to bring the FCC <laughs> guy or Yeah, this lady. sounds this is like this is very Comcasty of them. Yeah. Now, <laughs> put it, yes. Comcasty. Don't be Comcasty. <laughs> um now, to be fair, he's not exactly he doesn't have an office, he doesn't have a name tag or whatnot. But Samsung is currently involved in many other lawsuits against other people, not just Apple. So what they did was they paid him to take the stand in their other courts and testify as an expert witness for Samsung. Now, I have to think that someone who is a retired judge, or or whatever they call him over there, uh, justice or... I'm sounding very ignorant here, I realize, but... Boss um, man with the wig. Exactly, the robe dude. Um, that's the new title, Robe Dude. I'm the Honorable Robe Dude. Um, 
you have to think that he knows this isn't illegal, but it certainly is quite questionable, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're bringing in some ethics issues there, um, some conflict of interest. I, I, I doubt that it's illegal, but it's definitely not on the up and up. Okay, um, also in weird internet news, not quite as weird as that, but still up there, Illinois oh. um, is trying to introduce some legislation. This was originally going to be our talking point, but we decided to change it up. They want to make it illegal. No, no, I, I should rephrase this. They want websites to police through their comments and incoming connections. And if a person visits, if a visitor comes and leaves a comment and they are not associated to a real IP address and a real name to block them. Evidently, or, or tell them that they have to use a real name when they're posting a comment. Evidently completely forgetting how the internet works. <laughs> Didn't Arizona want to do something like this a couple months ago, too? Or no, those are your immigration papers. Um, <laughs> no, I could have sworn they had a bad... They tried... Internet policy that we, we talked about once. They did, but it's like each of these states evidently have no clue how the internet works. And I don't mean like the internet culture, right? Because no one uses their real name, right? Not just that, the actual technical design of the internet. Uh, right now, Schmitty is here next to me. He's having internet problems, so we, we weren't able to do the show from his house. So There's a pill for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've taken it twice. <laughs> He can't get his upload up. <laughs> There's a t- There's a t-shirt for that. A little um, blue pill, yes. But so, the thing is, though, is that if both of our computers are here at my house, both of them go and do something, they're both coming from the same IP address. That's how it's designed. Many ISPs will start to bundle people in together. So even though I'm here in my house, my neighbor is a couple houses away. When we hit a website, we might come from the same IP address through our ISP. It's just how it works. You cannot enforce individual people to register one IP to one real name. Because what happens if you go to the library, or you're using Wi-Fi, or you're using 3G? Yeah. What happens if your DHCP lease renews? What happens if 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 there are too many variables? Now, granted, maybe, I don't know, they're planning on breaking out some kind of new regulatory committee that's in charge of tracking all this. Which <laughs> Everyone also, needs their own static IP address. <laughs> which would also fix uh, Illinois' unemployment problem. Hey, creating jobs any way you can, I guess. But um, it's... I want to know what idiot thought this up and thought it was a good idea. Yeah, it doesn't seem... It was a politician. It's always a politician. Yeah. Okay. Some politician probably got trolled by some anonymous person on Slashdot or something, and 4chan got to him, and... Well, that, Who that are guy you, was tennis not a... player 47? I, I, you can't hide behind that Twitter account forever. Well, that guy wasn't a displaced Nigerian prince at all. <laughs> That's legit. Okay, um, a new, it's rumored now that a new build of Firefox that's coming down the pipe may by default automatically block all third-party cookies. Quick recap, a cookie is something that a website 
gives your browser and stores in your browser so the browser and the website remember each other. It's what keeps you from having to sign into Amazon every time you look at a new product. You sign in once, Amazon remembers it's you, so you're not constantly signing in. Okay, uh, that's, that's basically what a cookie is. Well, cookies can also track you. You remember a few months ago when IE10 launched and had the automatic do not track policy enabled and what and happened there was the, a bunch of screams about the whole thing oh my goodness blood curdling screams uh, the wall of the 87th precinct was bl- dripping blood how do you explain that well if Firefox were to try and do this I can't even imagine the apocalyptic backlash just just from the advertising community alone there would be yeah there would be bloodshed definitely but I'm wondering how much the, the privacy advocates are pushing for this, though. And, yeah. and that's, that's, something that you, that's something I'm pretty sure they're cheering about. But that's why we have incognito mode, or pri- in private mode. That's basically the same thing. Yeah, but even, even then, uh, privacy advocates are not... Third-party cookies really don't have that much information on you. I mean, all technicalities aside, third-party cookies... Do, aren't really that harmful to you. Um, they, yeah, well, that, that's a discussion for another time. But um, it does make me wonder how much this is going to screw things up. Because frankly, yeah. I don't want to have to sign into Facebook every time I refresh the page. I, I don't want to be writing a post on stolen droids and well, no, this have it forget this who I am. This won't affect cookies. For, so if you go to Amazon.com, it won't affect your Amazon.com cookies. It will affect cookies from advertisements on that page from staticnet. Dot, staticad.net or yeah. okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, I hate that staticad.net ad. It just <laughs> pops up all the time and there's a pill for that. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Which I learned title. from staticad.net. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> the best Nigerian pharmacy in the world. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well played, sir. There's a pill for <laughs> that. That's our title. Okay, and finally, um, iOS has been found... And this is actually quite interesting. Uh, A study has been done that went through and found that iOS apps are far more likely to leak personal and private information uh, than Android apps. Now, on one hand, that sounds like, well, hey, great thing for Android, right? Yeah, but not by a whole lot. Okay, so here's the numbers. iOS apps, um, 60% of them will gather your location data. 54% 54% of them vacuum up your contact list, and 14% of them took information from your calendar. Android apps, instead of 60, it's 42, instead of 54, it's 20, and instead of 14, it's 0. Sounds better, but that's still really high. That's a lot of apps that are sucking up your information and giving it to developers and ad agencies. Um, iOS apps, 100% of them sent all your data unencrypted to ad networks. Uh, Android apps, 92%. So it's only 8% better. 
uh, this the study goes into some detail, and it's really quite interesting why there's more in iOS, and it's frankly because uh, the uh, Apple gets paid more for that ad information, so they make it a lot easier to get the info. Uh, also, there's a lot more iOS users. Well, not anymore, but there's a lot more iOS developers, I should say. So the numbers are naturally going to be higher. But this is a really interesting problem. I would actually be really interested to see how maybe Windows Phone 8 and even BlackBerry 10 would compare. It might be too early to for a BlackBerry 10. Developers are still getting on board. But I'd be really interested to see how, quote-unquote, secure you are on the different phone platforms. Yeah. So that is our headlines. Unless you guys have anything to add on that. No. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> well, hey, uh, before we go any further, let's give a shout out to uh, Squishy, who will fill us in on what we can expect from episode five coming up this week. This week on the Scam Show podcast, we get caught up on all the latest in the world of comics. We look at the recap of Batman's death in the family. We're going to look at the impact of the most recent issue of Batman Incorporated and perhaps another uniform hanging in the Batcave. Plus, what's been going on with The Walking Dead, Thief of Thieves, The Avengers, and The Justice League. Wrap up all the recent comic news this week on the Scam Show Podcast. Squishies, comics, and movies. Brought to you by StolenDroids.com. Okay. And also, a quick shout-out to our other friend at Gunner's. Uh, Gunners, of course, are those awesome eyewear that we love. And uh, hey, guess what? I'm now wearing contacts, which means I can get them. I could get them before, but I had to get them prescription, and they do take prescription. But now I can order them just straight as is. Gunners are the great uh, computer eyewear you can use when you are at any kind of electronic device. They help reduce eye fatigue, pre-focus your eyes, keep them from drying out. Uh, Zoners used them. I've used them. We love them. Uh, still trying to get Schmitty into a pair, but uh, we haven't had a chance to find one yet for him. You can head over to Gunners.com. That's G-U-N-N-A-R-S.com. Uh, use the promo code StolenDroids. Get 10% off and get free shipping on any order over $99. Check it out. They have a lot of cool styles, and uh, well, they're just pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, it, it should be noted I plan to hopefully order me a pair tomorrow or today. Ooh depending on when you're listening to this, or three days ago. <laughs> or it's, five. It's all so fluid. It's a dynamic number. All right, into our <laughs> fast lane. Okay. A recent study found that 58% of American adults believe video games directly contribute to violent behavior. However, it also showed that 38% of American adults have no clue what the ESRB ratings are, and 30 33% let their kids play whatever they want. In the end, a survey recently found that about half of American adults have no clue about video games. The popular Twitter app for Android, Falcon Pro, hit its 100,000 token limit earlier this week, meaning that new users could not use the app. To discourage new users, the developer raised the price more than $130. After resetting the tokens, the price is now back to normal and new users can take part in the awesome. The whole fiasco just goes to show that Twitter hates developers. Music recording industry finally makes some growth this last year, actually rising for the first time since Napster originally launched in the 90s. The growth came from, surprise, surprise, digital downloads. Now imagine how different things could have been if only they'd started doing this sooner. 
And parents whose children paid lots of real money for lots of Smurf berries originally thought they were Smurfed. However, Apple has agreed to pay $100 million to parents who don't know how to manage their children, but only to those parents who didn't manage their children for a specific 45-day period. So if your kid's loaded up on Smurf berries outside of this window, you're still Smurfed. iOS Kindle app released an update to fix some bugs, but instead ended up deleting everyone's library and settings. It has supposedly been fixed, but there's still many, many users that have to manually rebuild their entire library. Groupon's CEO was let go this week after a series of underperforming quarters. His resignation memo to the company was posted online, since, as he pointed out, it'd just be leaked anyway and is an amazing example of accountability, humor, humility, and battle-toed knowledge. All right. If you if you have a chance, you really should check out that uh, resignation memo. It's quite cool. <laughs> All right. This week, we have kind of an unexpected talking point. Not unexpected because, well, just because it's not something you'd expect to talk about. I guess that's the definition of unexpected, isn't it? <laughs> it is. By, by very nature, that is the meaning of the word. I'm so glad you didn't try to define the word is. I am so tired. I am so, <laughs> so tired. <laughs> Talks have been uh, made coming out more and more about 3D printing. Now, for any listener who doesn't really know, a 3D printer is a device that can, well, what it says, it prints things, only instead of just printing to paper, it can actually print a three-dimensional object. People have been using these to make keychains, um, arts and crafts. There are you can build guns this way, and I'm not trying to turn this into like a gun argument, but it can make complicated things. It can make simple things. You basically just have to load in a CAD program, a computer aided drawing or drafting program, and let it do its thing. And it means that engineers can mass uh, can quickly fabricate prototypes. Uh, medical professionals can create tools or replacement parts. Uh, on the fly and home hobbyists. Replacement parts as in like body parts. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if they need to build a new socket, they can now do it just on the fly. They don't have to send it out. It's a lot cheaper. And it's becoming the new big technology. It's getting cheaper and cheaper. President Obama even just brought up 3D printing in his most recent State of the Union address. It's, it's becoming the big thing. Unfortunately, it's also becoming the latest battleground over copyrights. Now, we have gone back and forth on copyright issues on this show a lot, but this is a new one. This is yeah. something completely out of left field. I don't think any of us really expected this to be an issue, but it kind of makes sense that it is. The uh, The story that we've linked here goes on about a couple different... Uh, there's a... I think there's a, a, a phone case that uh, someone made and sold. Someone else liked it, and so they used their 3D printer to make one just like it, so they didn't have to buy it. They got sued. Uh, and in that case, it's pretty evident why they got sued, because they were literally ripping off the design. But it has raised the murky issue of what is design versus what is just another cell phone case, or any other thing, for that matter. Um, and it's raised some really interesting philosophical questions. What are your thoughts on this, guys? It's kind I of think it's awesome. I, I, I think, you know, 3D printing, it's, it's opening up a whole new, 
whole new avenue for for manufacturing for machining for everything and it's it's really cool but it's really easy to rip somebody off with it i mean i don't i can just take something like i've got this awesome case on my galaxy s3 i could just take it put it into a program and i can crank them out i don't need to worry about getting caught downloading something i don't need to work you know it's so do you scan it you take pictures of it i mean how does the 3d Mm -hmm. printer know to make it to those schematics it it depends you can either draft it in a program or you can scan in a 3d model yeah there's even um black market sites where you can download 3d cad schematics to print stuff out uh, and so there, there, there's even a black market for stuff like this. Uh, so pirate uh, cad? Is it a pirate bay? <laughs> it's a pirate bay, probably. Yeah, there's uh, probably a new car- a category on, on on pirating sites. But um, I, I find it kind of interesting because because we've been able to for for decades, um, we've been able to make our own card games or video or uh, board games. Um, I I could if I wanted to make my own Monopoly game from my own resources, cardboard or what have I, and uh, there hasn't really been that many issues over that. So I don't see that as being any different from being able to print my own um, gadgets, gizmos, or whatever, um, because it's not it's not identical to what the company is doing. As long and as long as I'm not mass making them and selling them there shouldn't be an issue with this. Well, uh, when you yeah. make that, the quality is not going to be as good Maybe. as the... As, well, I'm talking about when he makes the cardboard version of Monopoly. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It's not going to be as good as the one he would go down to the store and buy. I still have the endorphic release. How good is the quality? How good is the quality on that? I mean, I, I've, I've seen it in theory, but I've never actually mm-hmm. seen an item that's been by a 3D printer. Some of the plastic polymers you can buy to print stuff with are really strong and really durable. Some of them, like I said, people have been making guns. Yeah. It's powerful enough that it can withstand a bullet being fired from it. Now, it gets one step trickier here. Um, I spent the afternoon chatting with our friend Gene from, uh, from KryptonRadio.com. Uh, Gene actually uh, had been working at Rhythm and Hughes, which I don't know if you have heard the tragic story behind that, but unfortunately they had to close doors right after Life of Pi. Their film uh, passed, I think, half a billion dollars in sales. Uh, So if you can give some uh, thoughts or support, send them his way. But he helped me out with some really interesting questions. I was watching a documentary on The Avengers, the movie that came out last year and the special effects team that did it. And if you look through the Battle of New York, you see a lot of cars blowing up. They didn't really blow up a lot of cars. Those are all in a visual effects program. They come from those same 3D scans of real-life cars. Now, a car is a car, right? You can't copyright a car. But if a car looks like a Dodge Viper, which is very much their design, it is owned by them, it's their vehicle. Does It's a virtual thing. Does it count? Is it theirs? Can they sue because you used it in the film without letting them know? The answer is yes, but they typically don't because it, you're not selling it. You'll usually obscure the badge, but let me then take it one step further. What if you were to then take that same 3D scan that people use in special effects movies print out a car and print out a car sure it's only a scale model but you have totally now just re- but you've just now recreated their property their design 
they don't even know it. Well, the the end all of all of this, of course, is going to be the money question. Are you are you preventing somebody from getting money from this, or well, essentially that's that's what it is. Are 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 you are you preventing them from getting money from you or getting money from other potential customers? Because that's the whole reason these businesses are doing this stuff, you know. So if they if they can't sell our wrenches anymore because anybody can just push a button and make a wrench, that's, that, that's not entirely true. I mean, it, that might be a way you're looking at it, but the litmus test they're using is called the severability test. Uh, that is, can you sever the artistic value of the object from the main object? So if you were to say, I printed out a wrench. Well, then Stanley or some other wrench tool company couldn't come after you and say, well, hey, you, you printed a wrench. But if, say, that company, if Wrenches and Sons made a very specific artsy-style designer wrench that only they made, and you copy that, then yes, you have infringed on their copyright. That's the litmus test they're using. It seems very gray to me. <laughs> um I mean, I, I see your point. I, I see Stark's point where if I made my own Monopoly game, um, that is essentially taking money away from... Um, who is it that owns that part? Um, Parker Brothers. Mil- Parker, Parker, Parker Brothers. Brothers. Because I'm not going out and buying a Monopoly board now because I made my own. On the other hand, it's not hurting them on the, on the other side because... I may I'll get the enjoyment out of it and eventually want to buy the real one because I want the real experience. So I, there's two ways to look at it. I, again, speaking as devil's advocate, that is the same argument that uh, people were making when Napster came out. Right. If I really like this music, I'll eventually buy it. What's the harm in me downloading it now? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> the only difference is you can't print out a song. Well, you can't 3D print out a song, but in the end, it is still digitally stealing something else. So it's it's a really Schmidty's right. It's a total gray area, and it's an area I don't think anyone really thought of writing any laws right now. On on the gun, bringing back the guns, um, right now it's getting increasingly harder and harder to buy a gun, especially assault rifles. Now, if you have the ability to print out your own gun, uh, print out an assault rifle, and use it, uh, you you now have bridged that gap between making guns accessible. Someone could download the plans, print them out. Um, now we're getting getting way past copyright stuff and into you know just bypassing the consumer market altogether. So, yeah, it, it's it's a brave new frightening world. In Star Trek Deep Space 9, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, they introduced or they talked about um, gold press lab. Gold was available from the replicators. You could make gold you could find gold easily. Latinum, you could not replicate, which basically made it a very um, rare and, 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 and limited item. Whereas other stuff like food and the items, you, suddenly they, they were not as expensive as they were before. Do we see certain products dropping in price? And do we see other items gaining more value that could not be 3D printed? I don't think we can print well, yet as a real rock. You, you can tell that uh, Stark is talking about DS9 because he's currently talking through a wormhole. Um, <laughs> but uh, that is an interesting question. Now, of course, right now, 3D printing technology is simply printing a polymer base. 
So it doesn't matter what you're making it. You're making it out of the same material. It's only changing the physical yeah. form. We're not talking about printing iPhones yet. Right. Um, but it's not out of the question to say that one day this will be a possibility. So I, I understand your question. We're not there. We're not to worrying about it yet. But we might be soon. We want to know what your guys' thoughts are. Let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Where is the line, if there is a line, when it comes to 3D printing and copyrights? Um, we really want to know because this is a really interesting subject that I don't think anyone has really put a lot of thought into. What would we you need... do with a 3D printer? Yes. Um, we would pull Stark out of the wormhole. That, mm-hmm. that, that's what happened right there. Um, I, I would make our... a Green Lantern ring. Oh, who wouldn't? And a battering. Okay, on to our favorites. Uh, I actually saw this at first during the Oscar Awards, of all things. <laughs> but it turns out that in 1981, an iconic television ad aired for the first time where two uh, Rolls Royces pulled up next to each other and one gentleman leaned out to the other and says, pardon me, but do you have any gray poupon? What we didn't know was that there was a huge amount of lost footage that was eventually cut uh, that the other person realized that the first drove off without ever returning the Grey Poupon, leading into this huge, long, James Bond-esque chase across the golf course <laughs> and through special a city. Yeah, they had special effects. He had um, oil slicks made out of caviar. and It is hilarious. It's an official ad from Grey Poupon. The amount of work they did in this, making it look like it was filmed in 1981, is unbelievable. But it is hilarious, and you should definitely check it out, even if it is just a commercial. My favorite this week is another uh, Android app. You might remember a couple weeks ago I uh, talked about The Simpsons Tapped Out. This was going to be my favorite at that time, but The Simpsons trumped it, tapped it out, so to speak. Um, <laughs> uh if you like to kill people and feel good about yourself, Plague Inc. is the app for you. It's available on Android now. Uh, it's been out for a few months. I've been playing it since it came out. It was on iOS for a year or so before, I believe. It was very popular. Uh, really good game. Highly addictive. Going to require a lot of patience to get through. It's not just some stupid brainless game. Uh, go ahead. Give it, a, give it a try. I'm sure you'll like it. You get to create and name a virus and then have that virus try to kill people. So, All right, so my favorite, um, we mentioned uh, the 20th anniversary of, Next, of Deep Space Nine earlier in the show. Uh, this year, it's also the another anniversary. It's the 50th anniversary of the James Bond films. Um, there was a tribute on the Oscars a, a few weeks ago. Um, there's new DVD collections are out, all sorts of different things, and of course the Skyfall movies come out. And yes, I have seen it, um, and and I loved it. Uh, but there are also fan-made tributes that are out there on YouTube, and this is one that I happen to stumble across. It was made just a few days ago. Um, very well done. It explains the all the different characters just by showing their actions and showing some of the highlights from the different films that they are in. Um, If you are a James Bond fan, this is something I think you would enjoy. If you are somebody who might be interested in checking out more about James Bond, again, this is something you you, you probably enjoy. And if you're just a fan of fan-made films and tribute films, this is something you would definitely enjoy. Very well done. Thumbs up for me. Absolutely. Uh, my favorite is a YouTube video of a, uh, a student named Ravi. Um, he uh, he's juggling a Rubik's cube along with two um, 
juggling balls or whatever. Uh, and every time the Rubik's Cube comes in contact with, le- with his left hand, he is making a move on the Rubik's Cube and eventually solves it while juggling it. Uh, it's very entertaining. Um, and uh, I, I think this will become the next competition sport. Uh, so check it out. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. Uh, we want to hear your feedback. Now, let us know. Um, what about the talking point? What about the headlines? And remember, we love putting your feedback on the air. So send us some at feedback at stolendroids.com. Until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day.